Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Just walk with your I'm Monica Richardson, and this is Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. And today is September 1st, 2015. Wow, it's an amazing year, and it's just flying by. Um, so today, I thought I would do a call-in show, uh, 818-475-9211. I have been reading Steve Hassan's book. He's America's best-known cult expert. Combating Cult Mind Control, number one best-selling guide to protection, rescue, and recovery from destructive cults. Uh, it's available uh, for sale. And um, he's out of Boston, and uh, he's been on a lot of shows. I haven't gotten him on the show yet. I've reached out to him, but we'll see. Uh, it's interesting because my show is extremely controversial, Right. And uh, anyway, I talked to him when I met him. I heard him speak a few weeks ago. I think it was like three weeks ago. But it really, you know, I thought it was pretty, pretty deprogrammed, and I am. But there's still this, uh, it's like when uh, more things open up and you go, oh, my God, like, yeah, that's really bad. Like, And so I thought I would talk about how to... Begin in so early. How can one be brainwashed so quickly? And I started to think about this in relationship to somebody that I knew who was definitely over drinking, causing problems with their personal relationships. So what happens is that person then gets, you know, if they're not learning new skills from craft. So say if you're new at listening to this radio show. Al-Anon, I would say, like, stay away from any 12-step group, period. That's it. I don't like any of them. Although small Al-Anon meetings could be kind of, you know, n- you know, might be uh, not so harmful. I went to some that were very, very mild and not cultish. Uh, but they have to be small. The bigger they get, the worse they get. Um, and there still could be somebody really nutty there that's going to tell you that drinking is a family disease, because somebody is is addicted, that the whole family's got a disease. Well, there's no such thing as that. It's just like not true. Um, so 
what are the other things? Craft for families, C-R-A-F-T. Look up on Smart Recovery. They have workbooks. You can go to um, Andrew Tatarski has some information for families. Uh, you can go to the Center for Motivation and Change. They have 20-minute videos. Um, they have coaches. They have real therapists, PhDs that have studied and trained to work with families beyond addiction that Jeff Foote, F-O-O-T-E, wrote. Also a very good book. I read probably half of that book. And these are different approaches to the family, I mean using science and kindness rather than a bullying and you do it my way or the highway, right? So, okay. But what happens is in the other dynamic of AA, Al-Anon, intervention, rehab, is you sit the person down and do you know what they call an intervention, and you say, this is what you've done to us, look what you've done, and if you don't go to rehab, you're, we're cutting you off, or whatever else somebody will say, right? Okay, so the difference is, it's really different. And I think that, say that person gets ostracized by the family, and then they finally... Things get worse and worse and worse, and they're finally ready to go and to get help, and they go to AA. And they walk into AA, and people go, hi, hi, what's your name? I'm Sarah. Hi, what's your name? I'm Bobby. Yeah, welcome, welcome, you know? And so they go and sit down, and people are going to hug them and stand up, and hi, my name is Joe, and I'm an alcoholic. Oh, hi, Joe, and clap, 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 and somebody rubs you on the back, and what's your name? Here, have a cup of coffee. You want to go to coffee? with? And people are acting friendly and warm and Perhaps for this person, this hasn't been going on for months or for years. And they're getting in emotionally. They're right then. There, you, they got you. And then the things that are read, so for, for me, for instance, I wasn't really, that didn't happen with my family. But um, I felt very alone, and uh, I was in Hawaii. I had left New York and left Colorado, and I moved to be with my dad and his new wife. And I didn't want to drink anymore, and I didn't want to hang around with kids that smoke pot, young people. And I was really young. I was 18. And so I felt really alone. So when I met them, I was it was a real setup for that aloneness. It was pretty deep, because when you're a teenager, you feel everything way deeper than you do when you're 50. And into your 20s, I think. Uh, I don't know when it shifts, but it surely shifted with me. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, so I think that one of the things that I've been really thinking about, and, and, it's, and it's hit me, and I know it's hit many people out there on the blogs and on Facebook, about how do you get so, how do they brainwash you so quickly? You know, was this like some kind of master plan? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. But certainly, if you look at the roots, and I certainly didn't know this stuff when I was, you know, in AA, and even when I first left, that the roots were in the Oxford movement. But the program was really the Oxford movement. And Bill just took it. He stole it. You know, he didn't create something new. He just added. That's why some of the steps like 6 and 7 and, you know, 8 and 9, they really don't make any sense. He, like, he tried to expand on them. And then when you're reading the 12 and 12, you're like, what? You know, this really doesn't make any sense. And by the way, I'm going to do... I'm going to do new episodes of tearing up the big book in the 12 by 12 again. I think it's time to do it again. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, the, I think that, uh, you know, he's certainly from what I've read, Frank Buckman, who was the Oxford groups and Oxford movement, um, was certainly into mind control and to sort of a hypnotism kind of uh, whatever. 
Now, supposedly, you know, Bill wrote the book, and there were supposedly, you know, other people that helped write the book, but no one else got any money but Bill Wilson. Um, but let's go back to the reading of Chapter 5. And I think that Chapter 5 and the way that meetings are run are very hypnotic. And I think that, and I saw this, I didn't see this, like at first when I sat, my very first meeting, if I go back to Hawaii, in Kailua at St. Christopher's Church. And I think about sitting in that room and the breeze coming through the windows and, you know, the palm trees swaying. I could see them outside and you could smell the plumeria trees and all this lovely stuff and the smell of fresh coffee brewing. And the people looked pretty decent. They, they all looked really decent. There was one crazy guy, Wild Bill. He was There was even a crazy guy back then. And Kailua is like a suburb in Honolulu. And, uh, you know, um, there was something weird and different and interesting about how, you know, no one crossed, no one really had a conversation. You know, you spoke, and that was it. And I asked, why did they talk like that? And why, why isn't a conversation? And when someone shared, you know, they led the meeting. They, they, they told, they shared, they told their story. It was a pitch. Actually, you know, people said it was a pitch, whatever. And... uh so I'm going to just get right into Stephen's book, which I'm not reading it like a regular book. I'm kind of studying it. So I, I just opened the book last night, and this is what I opened to. And it's it starts with thought control on page 120. Thought control, the third major component of mind control, includes indoctrinating members so thoroughly that they internalize the group doctrine incorporate a new language system and use and use thought-stopping techniques to keep their mind centered wow like if that isn't if that isn't aa that's everything about aa about when people get angry oh i shouldn't get angry i mean truthfully i could i could go dig out an old journal of mine and i could see myself writing and trying to twist my mind into forgiving people that should not have been forgiven. I mean, it's really, uh, I don't know why my alarm is going off. Alarms off. I I had set alarm because I was running around doing so many errands today. And, uh, you know, I had set some alarms. So let me see, how do I turn it off? It keeps, I think we'll be okay now. Hmm? Yeah, I think we're fine. All right. Um, Okay, so back to what I was reading. Uh, This language system where, and and the journals that I, I remember reading these journals from 1976 when I was like a year. So things were, you know, I don't want to tell my whole story here, but when I'm really trying to see how I got in, how they got into my head, and when it happened and how could it happen? Okay, so you first you're vulnerable, you go in, you're really lonely. Other people, their families are really angry at them. So you bond emotionally. But there is something about Alcoholics Anonymous. They, they try to change the words you use as you talk. Like, um, say I would say something like, well, I never did that. Identify, don't compare, utilize, don't analyze. Right? And I just did a thread on Facebook, and I talked about this last week, where I just asked, you know, what are some, you know, things that you think are toxic, cult language was said to you. And, you know, the thread had some 500 comments on it. Um, But this, 
right here about the language system, incorporating, oh, one day at a time, keep coming back, it works if you work it, uh, you know, think, 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 uh, all those lines that even when people shared normally, and say somebody was talking about something normal and people, the rhetoric that was, if somebody was leading the meeting, um, back in the day, the meeting, somebody would say, well, you know, just be grateful there, but for the grace of God, go I. Like, there would be that kind of language that, you know, instead of somebody saying, oh, you know, I'm so sorry, you know, that's terrible, I hope everything will turn out. There is this incorporated language system that you are then trained. Yeah, that's it. You're not, there's not like a, a suggestion. That's an indoctrination. That is, you are trained to speak that way. And I know because it was done to me. Absolutely done to me. So, um... I have someone in the queue, and I'm just hold on there a second, and then I'm going to see if um, you want to talk or you want to listen. I'm going to get right to you. This next paragraph, in totalistic cults, the ideology is internalized as the truth, the only map of reality. Now, that's so, it's, it's the truth. Like, that's it. Or, like, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is in our culture now, which is pretty bad. The doctrine not only serves to filter incoming information, but also regulates how the information can be thought about. Usually the doctrine is absolute, dividing everything into black versus white or us versus them. Okay, so in AA, what's that? It's the normies. Oh, we're alcoholics, we're different. We're addicts, we're different. No, you're not. You're not different. Like that, I mean, that thing is the black and white thing. You know, do this or you'll die. Be this way or you'll, you know, you'll implode. Um, the absolute, absolutist dividing everything into black and white, AA all the way. All that is good is embodied in the leader and the group. Mm. All that is bad is on the outside. The doctrine claims to answer all questions to all problems and situations. Well, we saw this with uh, that one guy who ran for president. I, I can't even remember his name, and I'm glad I can't remember his name. Uh, there was a whole video where he was like sitting around a table and talked about how Alcoholics Anonymous in the big book could help anybody, that he had a situation years ago that, you know, he used this great book. I was like, wow, uh, that's messed up. Members need not think for themselves because the doctrine does the thinking for them. That's AA. Members, you know, oh, you know, your best thinking got you here. What does that mean? So you don't want me to think now? You know, well, you could be too, you could be too smart but never too stupid for Alcoholics Anonymous. I was like, wow, that's like really, really, really harsh. Um... The more totalistic groups claim that their doctrine is scientific, but that is never really the case. Members need not to think for themselves because the doctrine does the thinking for them. I'm going to read that again. Members need not think for themselves because the doctrine does the thinking for them. The more totalistic groups claim that their doctrine is scientific, but that is never truly the case. A destructive a destructive cult inevitably has its own loaded language. I love that. Loaded language of unique words and expressions. Since language provides the symbols we use for thinking, using only certain words serves to control thoughts. Wow. Well, I never knew that. But let's talk about the word drinking. Oh, they're drinking. That is a really loaded word for someone who's in AA or not in AA. So I was really, you know, clear that when I left AA and if somebody said, oh, oh, they're drinking. No, 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 they're not drinking. 
they're imbibing, they're having a cocktail, or they're having a glass of wine. But that kind of, oh, you're, you're drinking in quotes that AA people say is loaded with shit. It's loaded with stuff. It's loaded with bottle, you know, you're chugging it down, it's hard, clear alcohol, you're drinking in the morning, you're drunk all day, you've lost your job, you've gone insane, whatever, they're long details. I'm going to see if this caller wants to talk. Hi, caller. You are live. Would you like to talk, or do you want to listen? Hi, Monica. Yeah. This is John. How are you? Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I finally got to catch your show. Um, I was just listening right now, but um, uh, I can talk, yeah. Okay, so we are talking about how does AA... Uh, get so in, like, the brainwashing, and I'm kind of studying Stephen Hassan's book, Combating Cult Mind Control, and, you know, you just heard me talking about, like, the language and stuff. So um, what is is it that you would like to add that you experienced? Well, what I experienced was they... They uh, they take advantage of you when you're most desperate and when you're willing to to listen to anyone or in, uh, you know anybody, mm-hmm. even when you you know already denounced religion a long time ago, you're you're somehow convinced that maybe this is this is the way. I mean, you have no other choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I was uh, cut off and isolated from the rest of the world. I didn't have access to the Internet or books or we couldn't go to the library. And, you know, all the red flags were there that that were screaming cult. But, you know, I never studied, like, in-depth cult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like... You know, I, and I'm I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get my my life back together, and it, it's just getting worse. As I stayed there. Mm-hmm. Where um, were you? What part of the country? Um, I was in um, Statesboro, Georgia, at a place called Willing Way. Oh. And um, it is they have mm. a they have a really large cult community there, um, and the as I when I got out, I was in a deep depression for like a year. But now wow. I look back on it, and it was all the way they have it set up is all designed to like attract you into it and entice you. And once they get rid of everything that you 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 have, then you're only left with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they would they had meetings on Wednesday nights at this place called the Fork, um, and they would take all the patients from the hospital there, mm-hmm. which is where all of the other people in the community would come on Wednesday nights, and it would look like this really big party. Mm. There would be a neon light with the AA symbol on the outside. It would look like a big frat party going on, you know. Well, wow. And um, so, you know, I'm thinking, well, this looks like fun. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I'm feeling like crap, I'm 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 still trying to trying to to make the, the best of the the situation. Um, it wasn't until then then they they convinced everyone that I, I need extended treatment. You know, mm. I didn't 
the, the six weeks wasn't enough, so we need a, another year. Wow, a and year? That's, well, then the year then turns into another two years, but, yeah, luckily I got out after nine months. But basically you never get out of there because once they get you into that ex- ex- extended treatment, then they get rid of everything that you possibly have. But most people don't have much when they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I had left was my house, which they tried to get my parents to sell. And if they would have done that, then, you know, I would have been left with nothing. But luckily well, they didn't do that. Right, that's a good and thing. And so everybody there is kind of stuck there, and they're dependent upon the cult. And it, you can't... If you say or do anything that goes against what they believe, then you'll be, you know, shunned or kicked out. And when that's the only way you have to live, you know, I I understand why they do what they do. It's just sad. It really is. Wow, that's a long time to get. So the place is called The Fort. Is that the name of the clubhouse? Uh, That's the name of the, the, uh, the AA meeting, yeah. Um, meeting. It's called the what Fork. part of Georgia? Is it, what is it like? What's the big city that it's near, or is it a small city? Um, well, it's in Statesboro, which is a small city, uh, which is near Savannah. Mm-hmm. Like a, about an hour inland from Savannah. Okay, I'm just writing stuff down. I'd love to look after I talk to people, right? And they tell me about places, and I Google them. And I've already heard about Willing Way, and it's not good. Uh, but, it's a family-run yeah, place, mean, right? Family of Steppers, is this, is this the place, the Willing Way place? I'm sorry? Is this the place is, that's run by the family? Is like a whole family running it? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the, the Moonies, ironically, the Mooney family that runs it. <laughs> and they run the, the, all the halfway houses and, uh, you know, the, the extended treatments, as they call them. But And then they have a halfway house, which is what they initially eventually wanted me to go to, which would have been another two years on top of the one year. So that would have been, you know, basically you're never going to get out. Like I, that was the, that was the one thing that I, like, that, like, made me, like, suspicious of the place. When I first got there, I was meeting all these people. Yeah. And no one was from there. Yeah. But no one had left. And wow. it didn't make any sense. Like, why are all these people not leaving. Yeah. You know? Right. And it's mhm. What well, what did they charge? Oh, it's real expensive. I mean, uh, and, and it like and to get in. I mean, and I've been reading about like you know, what other hospital charges you to get into like um like just to just to get a big book and a 12 and 12 and to be admitted was like forty grand. Oh my god. And that that's for five to six weeks. Wow. Which then turns into and if you have anything like, you know, any kind of troubles going on like with the legal system or you know, if they if they have anything to use against you mm-hmm. or to take away from you, like I saw people getting divorces in there that could yeah. not speak to their wives or their husbands. Mm-hmm. I saw people getting their houses sold mm-hmm. um, that they had nothing to do with it. I mean, it it was 
it was horrifying, really. I mean, are they a, a non-profit or are they a for-profit? Do you know? They are for-profit. Mm-hmm. For-profit. I would love to expose rehab. I know. Have you heard the movie, uh, The Business of Recovery? Have you heard about that movie? Yeah, I have. Yeah, uh, it's not for sale yet. It's they're only doing. He's done some festivals. I got here, but are you still back there in that part of the country in the southeast? Uh, yeah, I'm in the southeast. I'm in Atlanta right now, um, which is a completely different world. And that their space is about four or five hours south of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel safe here. <laughs> uh, I, I will never go through that town. Like I, I mean, I, I could not bring myself to even drive through there at this point. Like it, it's still. So I mean, there's just no way I can do it. It's so traumatized. Uh, that sounds pretty bad. So how long have you been gone from that? And I would assume you're gone from AA, right? So how long have you been gone? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh. They kicked me out on July 3rd of 2013. Um, the two years? Specifically because it was um, like right before a bank holiday, so they couldn't give me any money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, but, you know, I thought my story was unique. Like, you know, being kicked out on the streets with no money mm-hmm. and no place to go. But you know, I made that I made a Facebook page, you know, for you know, willing way survivors support and it I hear the exact same story from everyone. Those people that are brave enough to even send me a message now. Most of the people will not even like the page because of fear of what they wow. can do to them. As a matter of fact, I, this week I had a girl contact me and she had escaped the res, which is part of their extended treatment program for the women and she was looking for help to get back to New Jersey and they had brainwashed her parents, you know, and they didn't want to have anything to do with her. And so apparently her parents looked at my page and had a a second opinion about it. It came and got her. And um, so this other girl saw the message that I put on Facebook, you know, if anyone needs could help this this girl, you know. And mm-hmm. she wanted to know who it was, if it was her girlfriend, right. that she was stuck there. And so I ended up getting those two together talking. Um and she I remember she said she said, I would rather that she called me that and now she's out now. She's out and she's in a car going to New Jersey and she said, right. I would rather that this girl called me. I don't you know, want to call her and can't. She's asking me, can I get can I get in trouble for doing this? And I wow. said, listen, they cannot hurt you anymore. You cannot get in trouble. But wow. I mean, that's how that's, that's how that's how that's, scary this is it is. Terrible. Right? And now listen, so I'm looking on Facebook right now. Willing Way Support, Willing Way Survivor Support uh, Community. Willing Way Survivor Support. Yeah. Yeah. You took my little, it's not mine, I'm making a joke, but the girl, isn't that a great picture? You are not powerless. When I found that on Google, when I first started this whole thing, that was I felt like, that's me. That's me. Do you feel like that, too, when you look at that picture? Yeah, I yeah. saw that. That was like, that, that's it right there. That's, yeah. That is a great picture. Um, I wonder who that is and where that is, but it is, it is so great. 
Well, look, I want to thank you for calling in, John. I'm going to put you back on hold. We have another caller that's been holding for about eight minutes, and I'm going to see what they want to say. But, well, I'm going to – maybe you can uh, pull me into some of the conversations over there, and I'll talk about it on my Facebook pages and stuff. That's uh, really incredible. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling in. I'm just going to put you on hold, okay? All right. Thanks, Logan. Thanks so much, John. All right. Wow. Willing way. Willing way. Mm, I've heard about it before. All right, so let's see who this caller is. Hey, caller, you're live. Can I have your name, please? Oh, um, this is Susan, but um, I was just having trouble um, uh, hearing online, so I had just called in so I could hear. Okay, Susan, how are you? I'm doing fine. Good, good, good. Do you want to talk, or do you want me to just put you on hold? Well, I, I really don't have anything to say today. John's story is so interesting. Uh-huh. Is that, like, crazy? I, <laughs> that is insane. I cannot believe that, you know, I, I thought that I had it bad yeah. um, coming in yeah. when I was 15. Um, but, um, you know, my parents did. They they, they forced me to go at first. Um, but within, I would say within two years, they were begging me to get out. Because wow. they recognized Yeah, really? they recognized it. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My dad especially, he recognized it. My dad's real religious, you know. Yeah. And he and he recognized it as a cult and he said, This is absolutely a cult, you need to get out, you know. They're wow. controlling too much life. Mm-hmm. And um and and I remember, you know, um, trying to convince him it was a good thing. I would get the big book and I would show him how it went right along with the Bible and <laughs> I mean, that was just crazy. <laughs> yeah, I just related. Yeah. yeah, it was really sad, you know, to think of me sitting with my stepfather, uh, trying mm-hmm. to get him to, you know, look at the, and he, I mean, he hated my mm-hmm. me and AA, you know, uh-huh. and my stupid language and my proselytizing, whatever. And I, I, wow, but this is, I mean, each time we talk, you know, I, I always learn something else about you and your story, but I find that interesting. Yeah. And so when your father, like, said that to you, was it, like, what What did you think about that? Well, I thought he was crazy, <laughs> you know? I thought he was crazy. You know, how dare he say that this wonderful thing that was giving me so much in my life was a cult? And mm-hmm. um, um, anyway, and I... Anyway, I mean, I we thought about it all the time, and um, it, was, it was really funny here. A couple, well, probably a couple of weeks ago, um, he said uh, he told me I live, um, we live on a ranch, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so I live, um, um, I live within a mile of him, and um, <laughs> um, anyway, so he's always at my house, or I'm always at his house, you know. Right. And. Um, Anyway, um, uh, Daddy called uh, a couple weeks ago. He anyway, I don't know what we were talking about. And anyway, he came over later and he said, "You know, he said you're just a lot more fun to be uh, uh, around now that you got uh, away from those people." And I didn't know who he was who he was talking about. And I said, "You know, what are you talking about?" And he said, "You know, those people down there." And I said, "Daddy, you 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 made you think about it. You made me go down there." You're the one that made me go to begin mm-hmm. with, uh, and he said, "Now, now, sweetheart, 
could that be a resentment? You know, um, acceptance is the answer to all your problems today. And I said, oh, my God. I said, where did you hear this crap? He said, I heard it from you, which I knew exactly where he had heard it, you know, whenever. Wow. Um, but, yeah, so now he teases me about it. My mom, yeah. on the other hand, yeah. still doesn't tease me about it. She does not think it's funny at all. She's just horrified, you know. Mm-hmm. And and um, I'm I'm 44 years old, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, my my parents are um, um, they're not old, but my mom will be 69 next week, and my dad's 73. And um, um, it's only been in the last say couple of years that I have spoken about the abuse. Um, the um, the sexual abuse that happened um, when I was in AA. Mm -hmm. And uh, they still don't know about that because, uh, Mm -hmm. well, because um, now my boys do, uh, my children do. um, Yeah. But but, um, um, mom and daddy don't because uh, I don't want to hurt them. And it would hurt them knowing that they forced me to go somewhere that that happened to me. And I'm afraid they blame themselves, you know. And I don't want that for them um, yeah. because it, it wasn't their fault, you know. They were doing what they thought was best. Yeah, we want we want to try to get to parents now, though, you know, that they know um, that it, it is not safe. And I would sometimes just get so upset by these news stories. And they are news stories. They're not like, oh, hearsay yeah. or... You know, even somebody, you know, there's a lot of stories that don't wind up to be news stories that are very true about this kind of abuse, Susan, right? And But I would get so upset that I would just do a post like, parents, do not send children. Like, so if parents Googled, you know, I would hope that they would find my blog. And what's good now is somebody can Google something like, is AA dangerous? And they're not going to just find me. They're going to find Gabrielle Glaser's articles on The Atlantic, you know, on ProPublica. They're going to find out about CBS 48 Hours with about right. the Carla Brada story. And I think that, you know, it's if you Google, somebody has a weird feeling and they go into the computer, uh, as much as I think we have too much Internet, we have too much social media, the one thing that couldn't happen was all this work without the Internet, you know, exposing AA and uh, letting people like you, like for the fact that I can do this whole radio show from my house, um, but I think that, you know, you stayed, though, like you're like me, like, you know, you stayed for 20 years. And that so, so, you know what, Susan, though, I got to say this and then you finish. You were so, I think you're lucky because I stayed longer. But, you know, there were a bunch of years that I wasn't so active. But, you know, you're young still. That's young. And you have many good years. But don't you sometimes feel like we missed a lot? With certain oh. people, family, or friends because of AA? Right. Well, all, all, all three of my boys, well, one of them's just graduated from college, but the other two are currently in college. Yeah. And they're going to parties and that kind of stuff. And I think, well, what about my college years? Look what all I missed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Me too, yeah. But now, I do want to... I, um, I am really happy one good thing has happened. You know, I told you last week that uh, last Monday, my um, uh, <laughs> last last Monday, my son decided to to get drunk at a, a football game right. um, at our house. Yeah, and uh, he went and got picked up for minor in possession, and um, and um, 
um, minor possession and public intox. And um, um, so I had gone to Belly Mountain. The sheriff had talked to me and said, you know, don't worry about it. This is what's going to happen. He'll get about a $500 fine, and he'll be sentenced to go to AA. Right. And I said, over over my dead body. And, um, <laughs> and right. so I love that. I so love we, that you did that. We, uh, we, we talked about it. And, and, um, anyway, um, uh, the sheriff, um, um, we had to, um, um, we had to go back over there this week to, um, uh, <coughs> excuse me. We had to go back over there this week to, um, 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 pay the rest of the fine because we, we thought we had paid it all that mm-hmm. night that I bailed him out. And anyway, um, we still owed like $30 on it, come to find out, because we didn't pay the court costs. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we went, I, I went over there to pay that, and, and he was with me. And, and um, so the sheriff asked me, he said, okay, he said, I want you to talk to me. And he said, and tell me, he said, what do you have against AA? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I told him. He said, well, come with me. And I said, all right. Wow. And, um, and, um, um, the sheriff and I um, are friendly. Um, he, he, he went to, you know, I told you that his grandson was with my yeah. son. He also right. got arrested. Um, the sheriff went to school with my mom. You know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those. Right, it's a small town, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And um, so he's like, well, come with me. He's like, I want you to talk to the judge. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, okay. So um, me and uh, me, my son, me and my drunk son, and uh, and um, uh, the sheriff and the judge went out to eat and um, went and had lunch. And uh, and the judge said, well, you know, explain to me, you know, what's going on. And, wow. and I told him, I, this is why I do not want him going, you know. Mm-hmm. And I told him what happened to me, you know. You did. You know, this, yes. Wow. Said, this is what happened to me. He, you know, we talked about. It. He said, "How long ago was this and everything else?" And uh, and I told him, you know, that you know we're you know we're talking almost thirty years ago when it happened to me, but I know things like this are still going on and everything. And he promised me. He said, "I will never send send it another person to AA." Wow. Unless, you know, unless, um, like they had gotten two or three DWIs or something like that, and um. Wow. And I said, well, I said, well, as far as I'm concerned, even then, you know, you don't need to send them. I said, because I'm going to tell you what we do whenever they come into the meeting, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, at least when I was there, you know, whenever they come in and they're like, you know, we have this paper that needs to be signed, we will say, okay, let us sign it, and we will sign it, and we will send them out the door, mm-hmm. you know. And they only have to stay for the meeting. I said, so they're not, it's not doing any good anyway. And um, anyway, so I got home. That's a good story. That's a good story, yeah. Susan. I mean, you know, I think it's really, it's each person who had an experience like yours. Now, I, I think mm-hmm. it's really hard in a big city like L.A. where I live. But I can see mm-hmm. how, you know, in a small town. But, I mean, I did reach out to one judge. But just back to you and what everybody who lives in a town where they know a sheriff, where they know um, a judge, would tell mm-hmm. the real story then, you know, at a very huge grassroots level, you could make an impact. And you made one, and I think it's fantastic. Well, what I was going to say is I got home. Um, No sooner had I got home, and my phone was ringing, and it was was the sheriff. And he said, "Um, 
I listen, you know, the the judge and I talked and and um and do you mind um um if I give your phone number to um each to the circuit court, each like county has, you know, their own circuit court. So mm-hmm. do you mind if I give your number to um anyway, but two more. Two more wow. judges. I said, no, I don't mind at all. One of them called me that evening, um, um, and and I know her, and um, um, actually, you know, reasonably good friends with her, and she mm-hmm. was like, Susan, why didn't you tell me this before? And, um, you know, Benny has told me, you know, the story, and, you know, why hadn't you told me this before? And I said, well, you know, um, I didn't, wasn't realizing that you were still sentencing people to AA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, she's, anyway... Uh, um, she told me that she wouldn't anymore, and um, 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 and what was kind of funny is, um, um, like I said, uh, me and her, we were better friends when we were younger, and um, um, <laughs> and she asked me. She said, um, when we were <laughs> when we were cheerleaders, she said that creepy man from, and she named the town, said, is he the one that was abusing you? Wow! And it was one of the teams that we played, mm-hmm. you know, and, yeah. um, you know, that creepy man. And um, and I said, uh, yeah, that was one of them. And she said, I knew there was something there, you know. She said, I yeah. knew. I said, all right. And then the other one, the other judge, he called me, and I, um, I really didn't expect to get a lot out of him because um, <laughs> um, he um, – He's actually the judge again, but last year he couldn't he couldn't judge for like six months because he got his like third DWI, and um, this this oh. judge did. Oh. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, it's pretty funny. And, um, he didn't, he and didn't go to AA, did he? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he, no, that's the and he quit then. He quit. They had to get a special prosecutor to come in and 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 prosecute and all this other stuff and and um, um, one, he had to go to rehab. You know the they they forced him to go to rehab for him to keep yeah, his law. Yeah, well, they extorted him. Yeah, actually, it's just yeah. extortion with the way they deal with it. Wow, this is interesting. So what happened with but this anyway, guy? Yeah, he me, yeah, he told me he said uh, he said I quit then. You know, I quit sentencing then. He said I know that it's absolutely no good. You know. And uh-huh. so, uh, so he 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 had quit back when he went through it, you know. But, yeah, that, right, that's that, the kind of thing. Wow, you know, <laughs> maybe we should talk because we we have each other's number off the radio about <laughs> me sending you asking if they want to see the film, and if we could mm-hmm. show them to a group of judges and you know um, law officer officials would be why not if they want to. I mean, I'm trying to do it here, uh, but we, let's talk about it. I'm going to put you back on hold. Um, so that you can continue listening. I'm sure glad that you had nothing to say again because I love when you call in. You tell me that, and you have some really wonderful stories to tell me. Oh well, I, that I, is I, so I, cool. I, I can but yeah, well, and um, uh, so see, we we can we can just be happy that my son decided to get drunk and go to a, a football game <laughs> because all this good stuff happened. That's right. Oh, and in the Oh, and in the meantime, in the meantime, yeah. when we're there to pay the thing, the judge is like, he's like, 
son, you know, you know you shouldn't have done that. And Jake's like, yeah, I'm really sorry and everything else. He's like, all right. He's like, hey, what, we'll drop all the charges. And we got all the money back and all the charges got dropped, you know, because he he didn't blow that bad. What a different world than uh, Los Angeles. That is so great. (laughs) (laughs) This is really funny. It's like a good old boys network down here, you know? Like, you know, son, are you really sorry? And he's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. And he's like, okay, well, we're just going to drop all the charges. And, and you know, you just be a good boy. And Jake's like, I will. And um, mm-hmm. um, he went back to college. And I'm not sure. I, I hope he's being a good boy up there, but I'm not counting on it. He blew a point oh six. Mm-hmm. You know, That's not very much. A, no, he blew a point oh six. And um, but the thing is, he's not teen. Right, right. But it was. Were there ever like when I was growing up, the, the drinking age was eighteen. When I was growing mm-hmm. up. So what about yeah. when? Well, you're a lot younger than me. Um, was there ever a time in your state? And I'm not going to mention your state because of what you're talking about. But um, yeah. was there ever a time in your state where it was younger? Besides the, like the 1800s, or <laughs> we could do a whole study not, of. Not, not that I remember. Um, I think that'd be really great to see when those laws became a big deal. Because drinking was something every American did, and they did it really young. And, you know, people drank cider, really watered-down cider and beer because the water was so polluted in the Wild West. I mean, it's interesting. uh, Wow. I have some other story I'm not going to tell you on on there, but I'll tell you when we talk next time um, the, the ironic stories where... You know, you just brought into even well with the the Carla Brada murder trial, and even with the Tracy White murder trial, the things that happened and that I came across, and because I was in those courtrooms, and I met those people, um, that things did happen, and so I did feel like, uh, you know, we can do what we can, you know, and um, all right, Susan, I'm gonna put you back on hold, and we're gonna finish up the show. All right, sweetie, we'll talk again. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Alrighty, so that was Susan. We're gonna put her back on hold. Wow, great story, great story. And so, if you're listening, I I might actually write a, a blog post and a Facebook page about that, about telling one judge or one uh, sheriff. Obviously, in smaller towns, it's easier. Um, maybe tell a lawyer um, about if you've had a really bad experience in AA. Uh, and you feel comfortable doing that, um, you would just tell them tell them what the bad thing that happened to you and see if you can elicit some compassion from somebody to get them to stop doing it in a very, very real kind of organic way. Um, all right, so thank you so much for calling in, John and Susan. If you want to call in, we have a little more time, 818-475-9211. Again, 818-475-9211. I'm going to have on the uh, culty programmer that I had on about a month ago. God, time flies. It flies, doesn't it? And uh, so we'll have her on. It's Rachel Bernstein. Rachel Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N. If you need somebody to talk to uh, professionally to deprogram, she is fantastic. And she is also a therapist, a trained therapist. Um, I want to make a little announcement. Uh, we have the shows coming up. The next one is going to be at the Steve Allen Theater, the Center for Inquiry, which is at 4773 Hollywood Boulevard. It's going to be this Sunday, uh, the 6th, at 11 a.m. Please come about 15 minutes before. And uh, 
the public it's eight dollars, students four dollars, and all the uh, money will go to the center. And the one after that, there'll be a Q and A after the Steve Allen. And then the next one that I'm really excited about as well is the Awareness Film Festival, which will be in downtown Los Angeles at the Regal Cinemas LA Live, so it's near the JW Marriott there at 1000 West Olympic Boulevard. The Awareness Film Festival, my film, The 13th Step will screen at 9 p.m. again, Thursday, September 17th, and there will be a Q&A afterwards. And there's a lot of fun, festive things, because it's, it's actually a pretty... Uh, many days of the festival, so it's kind of cool. Alrighty, so back to what we were talking about. Um, well, we just touched on it when Susan and I and John, well, scary stuff with Willowbring, um, but when we were these types of young people that were like preachers, you know, kind of telling everybody, um, you know, come, come all in one and, you know, join, this is the answer. Like, I swear, too, that I... You know, I had my book, and it was like, you know, this is the answer. This can, you know, help uh, everybody. I mean, I, I didn't quite, I didn't really feel like that. Um, so we'll, we'll back off a little bit. But I did feel like if anybody had a drinking problem or a drug problem, that if they just did this, this, and this, then you two would be set free. Uh, so I'm going to go back to this line. We're, we're, we're reading out of Stephen Hassan's book, Combating Cult Mind Control. A destructive cult inevitably has its own loaded language. That's where we left off. And I so, we were talking about the word drinking. Oh, she's drinking. Oh, he's drinking. How loaded that, that it, and what a lie it is, of unique words and expressions. Since language provides the symbols we use for thinking, using only certain words serves to control thoughts. Now that I didn't know, but it is true that when you leave, and I had a guy on called Hank Hayes, uh, I know Hank, and he wrote um, You've Been Lied To. And um, we talked a lot about language. Uh, I think he was further along deprogrammed than I was at the time, but I was very, very open and really saw the importance of not using certain language. Like for me now, I don't think I'll ever use the word alcoholic. I mean, I'm like so done with it. It's going to be alcohol or drug, overuse issues. If somebody is uh, dependent on it, we'll call I'll say they're alcohol-dependent. Um, somebody is an abuser, and even I don't like the substance use disorder. Okay, fine. It's more considered to be um, actually a behavior, so it's a disorder, and it's not a disease. But it's just it's kind of like they're. I don't want to. I don't want to give them any language of their own. I don't want to use the language. And when I first, you know, I was left, and I began to um, partake again in drinking some alcohol, I, I used the word imbibe, you know, I imbibe. And people are like, well, it's kind of an interesting word. I learned that from Dr. Kern. Dr. Kern has a place, great place called Alternatives in Los Angeles, California. It's an outpatient clinic that focuses more on moderation and you making the choice of what you want to do, not abstinence. Uh, fabulous, fabulous outpatient program. They have two different things. There's smart recovery meetings there. There's craft meetings there for families and friends. And there are moderation management meetings there. I want to make a little plug for HAMS, Harm Reduction, Ken Anderson's webpages that are, you know, are helping many, many people. He's done some new videos, 17 Elements. He just very different approach. I think I, I find a lot of people who leave AA uh, who want to imbibe again. They actually don't want to be abstinent, so they don't need SMART. SMART is a great program, too. Um, and that they're, they're really tired of black and white AA. So HAMS, H-A-M-S, Harm Reduction, they, are, they have uh, chat groups, and I think they have online meetings. 
So let's get back to this last paragraph. We have about eight minutes left, and uh, we'll finish up the show. Uh, let's see. It says, cult language is totalistic and therefore condenses complex situations, labels them, and reduces them to cult cliches. This simplistic label then governs how members think in any situation. In the Moonies, for example, whenever a member had difficulty relating to someone who was either above or below them in status, it was called a Cain and Abel problem. It didn't matter who was involved or what the problem was. It was simply a Cain and Abel problem. The term itself dictated how the problem had to be solved. Cain needed to obey Abel and follow him rather than kill him, as Cain killed Abel in the Old Testament. Case closed. To think otherwise would to be obey Satan's wish that evil Cain should prevail over righteousness, over righteous Abel. Clearly, a critical thought about a leader's misconduct cannot get past this roadblock in a devout, a devout member's mind. The cults, cliches, and loaded language also put up an invisible wall between believers and outsiders. The language helps to make members feel special and separates them from the general public. Now, this line is totally AA. I'm going to say it again. The cults, cliches, and loaded language also put up and an invisible wall between believers and outsiders. So when members, so there's a really good example of, say, Kevin and I go to a party, right? We're in some kind of Hollywood whatever party. And you see somebody that we knew from then. I mean, Kevin was in it a long time, and so was I. So there's like, oh, man, you know, how's it going, man? Like, with this look on their face. Like, how's it going? Like, you know, you still go to, you know, the club? And I'm like, nobody talks to me like that. Because actually, I run into way less people than he does. But it'd be like, uh, no, I don't, you know, Kevin says, I don't do that anymore. I don't, no, 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 I don't do that anymore. And that means I don't do that anymore. Like, that is a whole thing. It isn't like just going to a meeting would be like going to church and then nobody would be bothering you. Like, uh, I mean, it's the language helps to make members feel special. And, you know, this really was apparent when I was gone maybe a couple of years. So there were still people who were in it who would get invited to my house, which doesn't really happen much anymore. And these people would come... And um, the minute that they start talking, they start talking, they have to talk about it. They have to talk about the program. They have to talk about AA or NA, or they have to talk about how they're sober and remember when and 30 years ago, on and on. And I'm like, why, why are we talking about this? Like, why do we need to talk about this? So you can connect with me on this? Like, you can't connect with me on how's my son, how's your kids, and what's new with your work? And, you know, it's all, I mean, to me, it's like, it's like crazy. It's just really crazy to me. Um, it also serves to confuse newcomers who want to understand what members are talking about. The newbies think they merely have to study harder. And Boo, what are you doing? My dog is, <laughs> my dog is in here. He got, he got caught on the blankie, huh, Blue? We get caught on that. He always comes in here when I do the, um, when I do the radio shows. Like biting my blanket, Boo. Anyway, we're gonna finish up. Um, totally. Distracting. No dog in radio show land next time. All right, folks, here we go with the language. The newbies think they merely have to study harder in order to understand the truth, which they believe is precisely expressed in this new language. In reality, though, loaded language helps them learn how not to think or understand. They learn that understanding, in quotes, means accepting and believing. Another key aspect of thought control involves training members to block out any information that is critical of the group. 
a member's normal defense mechanisms often become so twisted that they defend their own new cult's identity against their old former self. The first line of defense includes denial. What you say isn't happening at all. Rationalizations. This is happening for a good reason. Justification. This is happening because it ought to. And wishful thinking. I'd like it to be true, so maybe it really is. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Because that is really big time in AA. Like, oh, you know, it was meant to be, it was God's will. You know, or besides that it was God's will. That, um, well, that's said all the time. You know, it must be God's will. Oh, you know, I'm trying to self-will things. Or people can't go in and, you know, I mean, I, I know that in my old small meeting, people shared happy and successful things and people were glad for them and clapped their hands. It was the least cult, culty meeting that I knew on the planet, which is probably why that's where I was in the end, right? But, you know, I can say for sure that other meetings that I would go when I spoke or when I would try to reach out and do the work, that that is not the case. And for the overall picture and what I hear on Facebook and Twitter, not Twitter, but Facebook and the blogs, is that this is a very, very big part of Alcoholics Anonymous, why people leave, not because their children get murdered and their children get molested and raped and people get raped and people get sexually harassed. It's this whole other mind, you know, screwing that's gone on. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I may do a show next week if I can get um, Rachel on or somebody else to be one of my guests. I'm looking at getting some people who have written some great books on again and have on some more professionals come back and join. It's been a while. It's been a busy time. And um, just really appreciate you all uh, writing in. And I, can I encourage you to do what Susan, who called in, did that if you know a judge, you know a sheriff, you know a lawyer, maybe you know a teacher in a high school or a principal, or you're part of your, you know, somewhere where it's really appropriate, if you were really harmed like Susan was, that you should tell somebody and you should tell them how bad your experience with Alcoholics Anonymous was so that people know the truth and that it's not some, you know, made up thing that we see on the show. There's these TV shows that we see that are so unrealistic. Uh, Again, um, the book that I was reading from is Combating Cult Mind Control by Stephen Hassan. H-A-S-S-A-N. He is a best-known cult expert. And again, my name is Monica Richardson. I am your host, Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. And again, thanks so much, Susan and John, for listening and for calling in. Uh, We'll have more shows for Colin in the future, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you, and good night.